Family vacations are usually a fun time full of great memories, or at least they're supposed to be. But what happens when a family takes a vacation and then someone goes missing? People back home may look at you different. Did you have something to do with the disappearance? And how hard is it to get answers and work with law enforcement in a foreign country? I'm your host, Koi, and this is the story of Amy Lynn Bradley. Amy Bradley was born on May 12, 1974, and she grew up in Chesterfield, Virginia. Growing up, she was a stellar athlete. She was on the swim team and played basketball in high school. Amy attended college on a basketball scholarship. Her parents, Rob and Iva, were very supportive and proud of her. They went to every single basketball game, no matter where it was. By 1998, she had just graduated college, moved into her own apartment, and was about to start a new job at a computer business. Amy's parents planned a Caribbean cruise for the family to take. Amy was hesitant to go on the cruise because she didn't really like the idea of being in the open water, but her younger brother Brad, who was in college at the time, talked her into going. On March 21, 1998, Amy, Rob, Iva, and Brad traveled from Virginia to Puerto Rico, where they boarded the cruise ship Rhapsody of the Seas. The entire family was blown away by just how big this cruise ship actually was and that it held a little over 2,000 people. Their room was on the 10th floor of the ship facing out into the ocean. After two days on their cruise, the family attended a dinner where they all dressed up. Before the dinner, a photographer on the ship took a photo of Amy and Brad, and this would be the last known photo of her. After dinner, they changed into more comfortable clothes, and they went to the top deck where the ship had a band playing. Around 1 a.m., Rob and Iva headed back to the room. Amy and Brad stayed behind, kind of doing their own thing. Brad met a few people that he was hanging out with and dancing with, and Amy was hanging out with a band member she met named Alistair Douglas, who went by a nickname Yellow. Around 3 in the morning, Brad called it a night and headed back to the room. About 20 minutes later, Amy went back to the room also. Brad was sitting on the balcony, and Amy joined him. They sat and they spoke about their plans for the next day in Curacao. Around 4 in the morning, Brad went to sleep and Amy was enjoying being out on the deck in the Caribbean breeze, and she wasn't ready to go in just yet. Sometime before sunrise, Rob woke up. He could see the balcony from where he was, and he saw that Amy was still out there. He laid back down, and he woke up again around 6. He wasn't sure what caused him to wake up, but this time he noticed that Amy wasn't on the balcony. He checked her bed, and she wasn't there either. Rob wasn't too concerned, though. He figured that Maybe she went up on the deck and she was watching the sunrise or smoking a cigarette. As he walked through the hallways, he didn't see her, and he made his way out to the deck. didn't see her there either. He made a loop around the ship, and then things began getting a little more concerning. With every empty deck or hallway that Rob turned down, panic began growing more and more in him. He then rushed back to the room to tell Ivan and Brad, On the way there, he saw a security guard and told them about Amy being missing. 
Then once he was back at the room, he woke up Ivo and Brad. As a family, they went to the captain of the ship. They asked the captain to make some sort of announcement over the PA and see if Amy was either somewhere that they hadn't searched or if someone had seen something that happened to her. But the captain declines their request. He told them that he didn't want to raise any concerns for other people on the ship. The ship approached its docking site in Curacao, and Iva began begging the captain not to dock and let people off. They felt that if someone had Amy, once they got off the ship, she would be gone. But the ship docked, and thousands of people exited the ship. The captain did say that he would have his people search the ship. A few hours later, the captain came back to the family. He said that every room of the ship had been searched by his staff and that Amy was nowhere on the ship. The family was then given an option. They could stay on the ship and continue on to St. Martin, or they could get off. And they decided that getting off was going to be the best way to start searching for Amy. They first went to the American Embassy. After going to the embassy, searches by boat and helicopter were organized in case Amy either jumped or was thrown from the boat. After four days of searching the water, there were no signs of Amy anywhere. By this time, her family had additional help with the FBI. They traveled to St. Martin to board the boat again, and the FBI began their investigation. Special agents with the FBI began their investigation with people that had been around Amy, and that started with Rob, Iva, and Brad. Rob seemed to have understood that they had a job to do, and that job was part of going through everyone. He explained to Ivan and Brad that the three of them, they were the last people to be around Amy, so they were going to get questioned just like everyone else, but it was part of the process to try and find Amy. Agents spent long hours for days interviewing as many people as they could from the ship. Some people said that they saw Amy dancing with a few people, but she was spotted with Alistair Douglas the most. Two women came forward and they said that they saw Amy and Alistair get an elevator together early in the morning. But here's where the tricky part was. They have people from all over the world on that ship. They're in the middle of the ocean, in the middle of the night, and people were coming from different time zones. There's drinking, dancing, and no one's really paying attention to the time. So they couldn't determine if this happened before Amy went back to her room or after. Agents started questioning Alistair. He even submitted to a polygraph, and he told agents that he didn't know anything about Amy's disappearance and that he was just dancing with her that night. Rob, Iva, and Brad then had to return home to Chesterfield, but without Amy or any real answers on how she disappeared. What is one thing that most people want more than money? If you guessed time, then you're correct. Time is something that we can't get back and we will always wish we had more of. Grocery shopping takes time, but don't worry, that's where Instacart comes in to help. With Instacart, you can spend that extra time catching up on things that you want, like going to the gym, reading a book, or listening to a podcast while you're reading a book at the gym. Instacart also uses its technology to highlight deals to help you save money. The shoppers pick the freshest produce and even keep your eggs safe. Instacart delivers to your door in as fast as one hour. If you use the link in the show notes, it helps support this show. and lets Instacart know that I sent you. 
and you will get a free delivery on your first order of over $10. Now, back to the show. One week after Amy went missing, her parents, they had to do something. Amy went missing in a completely different country, but they couldn't stop looking for her. They set up a website, they started calling everyone that they could, sending emails and asking people to just spread the word about Amy's disappearance. Meanwhile, the FBI began digging into Amy's life. One of the theories being explored was that maybe she committed suicide. While people can't hide thoughts or feelings of hurting themselves from everyone else, that was one of the things that they were looking into. From everyone that they interviewed, from friends, college classmates, and family, they felt that it was highly unlikely that Amy was suicidal. Rob and Iva then went on the news. They offered a $260,000 reward for any information leading to Amy. And fast forward to a month after Amy went missing, Brad and Rob went back to the island to look for Amy. They took a lot of flyers and they just started walking around handing them out, talking to as many people as they could on the street. Then things seemed to take a turn with what was really the first big thing that gave Rob and Brad hope. While they were handing out flyers, an older taxi driver approached Rob. He asked if Rob was the dad to the girl that was missing. He then told Rob that she didn't jump off the ship and that she was alive on the island. He said that Amy ran up to his cab and was asking where a phone was at, so he pointed her in the direction of a phone. But that was his only interaction with her. The taxi driver then told them three places that they should try and find her. One of the places was an old abandoned resort, but when they went there it was like a ghost town. There was nobody anywhere. They then went to the other two areas and they walked around, but there was no sign of Amy. After another two days of searching and asking anyone for information, they traveled back home to Virginia. With the reward money on the line, tips began coming in. The FBI investigated them all, but none of them led anywhere. Until in May of 1999, when Amy's case was featured on America's Most Wanted. David Carmichael was a scuba diver from Canada. He was on the beach in Curacao in August of 1998. He happened to see the episode of America's Most Wanted and it immediately brought him back to something that he saw on the beach. David said that there was a young woman that resembled Amy, but one thing that really stood out to David was that she had a tattoo on her left shoulder of a Tasmanian devil, which was a tattoo that Amy did have. David said that he was on the beach and he saw her walking with two men on either side of her that seemed to be aggressive and escorting her along the beach. Even though the sighting happened almost a year before David saw the America's Most Wanted episode, the FBI sent agents down to the island to do surveillance along the beach, hoping that maybe if she was being held captive, then that might be the route that they took her or that she was often on. But the agents didn't get anywhere with this lead. In 1999, Rob and Iva were contacted by a private investigator named Frank Jones. He said that he used to be in the military but now he has a team of investigators and specializes in missing person cases. Frank went to the island to begin doing work, and he reported back that he came across people that have seen someone matching Amy's description, and he felt positive that it was her. He said that they narrowed down an area along the beach, and he was going to bring his entire team down there to set up surveillance. 
but he needed payment to be able to pay his guys the travel costs and the cost of setting up down there. This was 17 months after Amy went missing. Rob and Iva were desperate for any help in following up on any clues that would lead them to their daughter, so they wired Frank $24,000 that he asked for. Once his team was down there with him, Frank reported that they had gathered further information that she is being held by drug dealers. Frank said that he was going to need more money for the rescue operation and asked for $100,000. Rob was hesitant. He wanted his daughter back, but he also didn't want to get scammed. So he told Frank that he would need some sort of proof that Amy was alive. Frank then sent them a picture that was from their surveillance. It was a picture of a young woman similar to Amy's build. She was walking on the beach, facing away from the camera, and she had a hat on. And there was a guy that was walking with her, similar to how David described seeing her on the beach. But even though they couldn't see her face, what stood out most of all in that picture was the tattoo on her shoulder. And now, Rob and Iva were convinced that he had his eyes on their daughter and they sent him the money. Frank then told Rob and Iva to fly to Miami, get a hotel, and a plane ready to take her back home to Virginia. He was getting ready to go ahead with the rescue mission. Iva had packed a bag of clothes for her. She had a medical doctor on standby and even a psychiatrist for Amy. They wanted to provide as much help as they possibly could for anything that she may have gone through. Rob and Iva waited by phone in the hotel room for about a week, expecting any minute for the call that Amy was safe. The phone finally rings and Jack's on the other end, but it's not the news that they were expecting. He said that his crew tried to save her, but his crew got into a gunfight with the captors and some of his guys were injured, so now they were having to abort the mission. Rob and Iva were devastated and felt defeated. As high as their hopes were just days before, they had dropped, but they were about to drop even lower. Before Rob and Iva left Miami to go back home, they received a call from a guy named Tim. Tim said that he was part of Jack's team, but things weren't as they seemed. They did go down to the island looking for information on Amy, but they just asked around a little bit. They never found any information on her. He said that he overheard Frank calling them about the gunfight and botched a rescue operation, but none of that was true. That was reported to the FBI, an investigation into Frank began. This is something that I don't understand at all. One of the hardest things to accept is that there are just bad people in the world that will take advantage of you even when you're at your lowest, no matter what the situation is. Everything along the way is bad in this case. Taking their money, doctoring up a photo, showing the tattoos. But to have them travel from Virginia to Miami and have them sitting in a hotel room for a week thinking that they were about to get their daughter back? That's a thousand times worse than if they would have just disappeared with the money. For a week, they had made plans, had doctors ready to help her, and they were on the edge of their seats. That's a defeat that's hard to come back from. The FBI did arrest Frank Jones, and he was sentenced to five years in prison for the fraud in order to pay the family back. The money wasn't even the biggest deal. He took away time and hope from them. 
as time began to pass, no leads were coming in now, until 2002 when a former Navy officer came forward. 1998, the year that Amy went missing, the officer was in a Curacao brothel. A young woman leaned over to him and said, I'm Amy Bradley and I need help. The officer said that he didn't know the name at the time, and the woman didn't say what she needed help with, and he kind of just brushed it off. He also didn't contact law enforcement at the time because he wasn't supposed to be in the brothel to begin with. But when he saw her on the news in 2002, he knew that's who he saw, so he had to come forward. FBI agents went to the brothel, but by that time, it had burned down. In 2005, another tip came in. A photo was sent to investigators from a website promoting sex work in the Caribbean. The photo showed a young woman on a bed, barely clothed. A facial recognition expert who now works for the FBI says that he believes that the woman was Amy. Amy Bradley has been missing for 23 years now. While there are no exact answers as to what happened, with the evidence and witnesses that have come forward, it's highly believed that she was abducted from the ship and forced into sex work in the Caribbean islands. Where she is now is unknown. There haven't been many leads for several years, but her family still holds hope that they will find answers. If you're traveling around the Caribbean or you live around the Caribbean listening to this episode and have any information on Amy Bradley, contact the FBI at 202-278-2000. And this is going to bring us to a conclusion of this episode. Thank you for listening to Crime Nerds.